Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. Hey guys, welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast. You're listening to the host, Matt Levy. And I'm joined by a man in a perfectly apropos t-shirt today. I, I have know. to say, Mike, that is an awesome t-shirt you're wearing. Now, it's not the specific game, but it is a beautiful, colorful shirt you are wearing there. Yeah, that's right. I've got my Super Mario World t-shirt on, which, which is awesome because one, it's one of the, it's you know arguably the best game ever made. It's one of my favorites. It's, it's a Super Nintendo classic. We're talking about a Mario-related property today. And I actually got this shirt off of IGN, IGN's website. When they started putting clothes up there, I bought the shirt. They had some good picks, but this one was definitely like the first one, the first one I jumped at. And then I have another shirt, which I consider like the sister shirt to this. And it's a Super Mario Kart shirt that almost looks the same. And they kind of go together really well. And I got that one at Target. So uh, it's nice to see that there are random places you can get that. But I just want to say, Matt, it's time to roll the dice. Yes, it is. And it jump is. into this episode. So this, the voice you just listened to was Mike Staub, my regular co-host on the Hall of Fame video game podcast. And we are ready for a party. We are ready for a Mario party today. Yes. And this is our 64th episode. And Mike called me out and said, hey, it's the 64th episode. We have to talk about an N64 game. I think so. I think I, Matt Matt does, a, does such a good job scheduling this, and I forget what we had on this on this episode uh, previously. And during our prior episode, we were talking about it being episode sixty three, and then like in the middle of the episode, I stopped. I'm like, wait, then that means we have to talk about something sixty four related on the next episode. And we bounced back and forth what to talk about, and we figured Mario Party might not be like the best like game ever. But I think what uh, made us want to contribute and add it to the to the Hall of Fame is not just for the original Mario Party. I think it's kind of like a legacy thing. I think it's like the party game thing. I think it's it's a very unique concept that while there might have been other games that did it before this, they're not as notable. And Mario Party is a series that has gone on to sell very, very well. It, they continue to make games. The Switch has two Mario Party games. I think there's something like 11 or 12 games at this point and a couple of uh, compilations. It's a very unique game. It's a virtual board game, right? That you play with your friends. And at the end of every turn, there's this horrific mini game that you have to play to earn coins so that you can buy stars and then win the party, which is, it's weird, right? Because if someone said to you, oh, I got this concept for a game. It's called Mario Party. And your response is, oh, cool. So what's the deal? And they're like, well, it's a board game. And it's like, all right, I guess that works somewhere. I don't know. Well, it's funny because the original plot, if you want to call it a plot of this game, is that these characters are battling to see who is the true superstar of the game. And there are six playable characters. You have yes. Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, Yoshi, Wario and DK, and we can talk about the roster, which we've talked about in other games. Sometimes it's random who they pick and who they leave out. But Mike, I think the most important thing you said first was this might not be the best video game ever made. This might not be on a top 100 game list, but it's notable and it's importance and it deserves to be in the pantheon of games that have done things like have a franchise of over 10 titles in it. And this one being 
the first of that. So, yes, being a legacy title, let's talk about this crazy party game that released in North America February 8th, 1999, was developed by Hudson Soft, which, yeah. Mike, are you familiar with Hudson Soft much? I am familiar with Hudson Soft. They made a lot of NES games. They also, I think they were, Hudson Soft was Adventure Island. The other I notable think. series is Bomberman, which they Bomberman. were yep. And well. a lot of, a lot of, they worked more closely. Like they did a lot of stuff on the NES and obviously Hudson Soft has made games forever. And now they're very hand in hand with Nintendo. But Hudson Soft is mostly, was worked very, very closely with NEC and the Turbo Graphics. There's a ton of Hudson Soft games on the Turbo Graphics, and I believe now they're owned by Konami. Uh, I they believe are. that Konami they are owned by Konami. The, the first eight games in the Mario Party series were done by Hudson Soft, but as you said, they were purchased. They're now part of Konami, and as we've said before, Konami barely makes video games. So yeah, let's talk about Mario Party, which. I'd say, like a lot of N64 games from this time, it was sort of an experimental idea. We yeah. can talk about Smash Brothers. They threw Mario Golf in. They threw Mario Tennis yeah. in. 64 yeah. got a lot of like, hey, what can we do with Mario? Because he's a known character at this point. And I feel like this was like, let's make a board game into a video game. Yeah, and it really works, except for the games that destroy your controller. Mario Party really works uh, a lot. And now there are problems with it. It is a little shallow, the randomness is almost too much at points, but I think there are a few games that are this accessible, this fun right off, right out the gate and have lasted this long. I, I have a group of people, a group of friends, there's four of us, that it's like every we get together at least once a year to play Mario Party. And for the, for years and years and years, it was Mario Party 4. Once we got to 4, we didn't go past 4. 4 is probably the best one that I can think of in the series. I haven't played Superstars much. And I've played Super Mario Party a bit, which is actually a lot of fun, but I do think that 4 is still like the pinnacle of the series. But it's a game that people who aren't necessarily the biggest gamers can get into. It's a fun game to play with four, three other people you could sit down and have a really good time. It's a really great way to like just kind of waste an afternoon away and and get some pizza and some snacks and play some Mario Party. It's also like the ultimate grudge match, trash talking, foul language nonsense that you'd get out of like N64 style video games. Like this game in Mario Party, the first one, is very... And I say this a lot about a lot of these four-player party games, but it's very much what the N64 was looking to do with their hardware. It was four people on the couch, four controllers, ports, get, sit down and play, get into it in a minute. To the point where like, you don't even know most of the mini games when you go to start. And I don't know if there was a training mode for the mini games, like if you could train in Mario Party 1. I know they've added that later on so that you could try it before you play it. But in the end, it's one of those things where it's a really simple, stupid game. The characters are all, like you said, the characters are all notable. Like it's the characters that everybody knows. I do believe that in the original Mario Party, obviously, no Waluigi, who would go on to be a very prominent character later on. No Daisy, 
They've added more characters over time to make Mario Party much more robust. If you go play Mario Party Superstars, or I'm sorry, Super Mario Party, rather, you could play as a Boo, you could play as a as a as a Koopa Trooper, you could play as a Hammer Brother. You yeah, could the, play I as, would say uh, the party was a little more intimate Monty in this Mole. first game, yeah. and they, they opened that party up to a bit more of his friends and some of his enemies as well. But you're right, Mike, this first game, the focus more so that I think than any other N64 party game was on couch couch competitive play because if you played Smash Brothers back in the day, you could still play that one player versus computer and no one would judge you. If you played Mario Kart by yourself, there's plenty to do still by on your own against computer. But this was not one of those games that if you were going to sit down and play it, you're really not going to play against three computers. You really wanted to have that true multiplayer competitive experience. I mean, you could, (laughs) but... It, it wasn't really, that's not really what this game is no. about. It's what about getting four is, players it's, together. It's the interaction. Yeah. And I think that's what, what made this game fun is that you can steal stars from your friends, the random events that make you win or lose, which sometimes had nothing to do with skill, Mike. Sometimes it came down to just like some random event of a dole, or roll of the dice where one person would leap ahead of you in the rankings. And when you start yelling at each other at the end over who got additional, these bonus stars, you're like, this person barely did anything. How'd they just win the whole game? All right. Yeah, that, that's something we have to talk about with Mario Party. So the BS stars that you get at the end for like, you took the most steps. You got the most coins. You spent the most coins. No, you, man. You hit the most red circles. Which yeah, that's like stupid. Now, there are some that make sense. Like if you won all the mini games, okay, cool. I'll give you that. If you're the person who collected the most coins throughout the entire game, Cool. I'll give you that one. But like, once you're like, well, they took the most steps. It's like, oh, well, that means they just rolled high on the die the most. That's a total random giveaway star. But at this point, it's funny because you would think that like, oh, well, you got all these problems with with Mario Party, Mike. Maybe you should play another game like this. And I don't want to. Like, that's the thing. It's like Mario Party has become the game like this. And there are other versions. There are other similar games like this out there more famously there is Itadaki Street which is put out by it was put out by Enix it was it was a Enix style party game but it's more like a monopoly i think when they brought it over here it's called Fortune Street there's one on the Wii and it's got Dragon Quest characters in it and the Mario characters in it so it's not quite the full square enix but it's it's there it's there Sonic even had a party game that copied after uh, Mario with Sonic Shuffle. So these, there are other companies that have tried to like their hand at this. And Itadaki Street, I actually think, does pretty well in Japan. But in the end, it's like nothing kind of comes close. This is kind of the only game that works like this. I would love to see another company take a stab at uh, specifically the quote-unquote party genre of video game. Because I think there's something here. I think there's something better that, that, that can be done with this. But Mario Party, for its simplicity, for its ease of access, for its multiplayer fun chaos, really, that's what it is. It's fun multiplayer chaos. It really is something special. Yeah, you're right, Mike. I think it's Ubisoft that published a bunch of board games that you can play on the Switch. I know there's like Monopoly and Game Monopoly, of Life yeah. and Trivial Pursuit. And there's a whole bunch of these. And they play well enough. But I would say Nintendo has really cornered the market in the party game. And I would say that would about kart racing. I would say that about Smash Brothers and, and that type yeah. of genre. They yeah. really cornered some of these, you can call them casual, but you, they can also be competitive type uh, family or group experiences. And Mario Party, like you said, it's been cloned. People have tried to make type games that are similar to this, but I think 
Mario Party is still the the winner of this and it still sells like 10 million copies on the new ones, even if they're not that good. I believe Mario Party 8, 9, and 10 were all decent sellers in the million copies, which you can't say that about other party board games. No, and 10 stinks. Like 10 is actually actively bad. Uh, I believe 10 is the one where like all the characters are in one car. Yeah, no, you're and- right. After the first four on the 64, there's a dip in quality on the GameCube, Wii, and the Wii U. Well, four, four, Switch, four is the GameCube. Four is the GameCube. GameCube. We got to give GameCube some credit. <laughs> the Wii and the Wii U, there were some, yeah. there were some stinkers, and a lot. I don't, know, I don't know if you know Wii Sports and Nintendo Land might have taken some of that creativity and put it in those type games. You know, Nintendo games. Nintendo Land was really cool. I would have actually, I would actually love to see a Nintendo Land approach to a Mario Party game. Yeah, make the game a little bit more robust. I think the games are a little simple, but on that first game. It was. It looked good. It played well. There are a lot of fun mini games. Some of them that have stayed along till now. Some that we still see reused over and over again and reskinned, like we see on Mario Party Superstars. Obviously, that game where Luigi's pedaling the bike as the boo is going to get him that destroys your N sixty four controller and your palm. Obviously, that's never going to happen again. Wow. No, thank you. Yeah, that that's, that that's that no fun for anyone. Huge, Mike. I mean, there was a huge controversy about that. I mean, there were lawsuits. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a mark on my hands for for weeks drilling that analog stick into my palm. So I know where people are coming from. But it was it was such an original concept in the United States, especially in 1998. Once again, 1998 goes on to continue to be just an absolute murderer of a year when it comes to video games. So it's one of those things where it's like another feather in the 1998 cap for being just so very good. I think we got it 99 in the States, but yeah, 98 in Japan. Yeah. I mean, just continues. It continues to be a monster of a game. And as this, as this, this series continues to to come out, it's, it's got, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, the sequel came out a year later, Mike. I mean, January 2000, we got Mario party two. So there was no slowdown in getting these titles out. And I think it's impressive. I mean, the first game had 50 mini games. I mean, that's a lot of content. People say it's shallow. That's a lot of diversity. And yeah. I think I agree with you. The biggest complaints people had were probably that it's not the deepest, deepest game. You really need your buddies around to make this game yeah. live longer. And then I'd say it is on the slower pacing side. So while you're watching computers or watching other people roll dice, it can be slow at times. That's why Listen, you have to grab the cheese doodles in between turns. Playing Mario Party is like watching the Super Bowl. Like you gotta like you gotta ease back. You gotta ease back. You gotta play your turn. You gotta make your moves. You gotta strategize. It's like playing a real board game. Most board games take an hour or two. Sure. So Mario Party takes an hour or two. But it's not just Mario Party is it's not just the fun in what's going on on the screen. Okay, and we all anyone who knows Mario Party and is like a, an active Mario Party player like myself, we know that it's it's it the game doesn't end there. Okay? If you're playing Mario Party right, the game never ends. Because you're still mad at that guy for stealing your star two t- two games ago. And you're strate- you're strategizing your next stage in Mario Party, how you're going to ensure that you're ready to rip and not look like a fool the next time around. It's like a board game group. It's like playing with a board game group. And like, if you have a board game group that you play with, there are, there are roles in a board game group. There are grudges. Like if you're that guy who put all of his armies on Australia and risk and slowly made your way into Asia or made sure that nobody else can get Australia. So you got those two extra armies to turn. 
Everyone remembers that. And Mike, people are programmed differently that play board games. Some people are like ultra competitive and every match, every game, they want to win and dominate you. And there's other people yeah, that course. just like are there for fun. And they, they're off. happy to be there. They're happy to be and, there. And they'll they'll screw up a game on purpose just for the laugh or they'll be a saboteur and they'll just screw up the whole level just because they wanted to have some fun, have a good jolly laugh. But some people, the different people zone in on what they want, what they want to accomplish in these yeah. types of games. No, I, I, I totally agree. And the board game mentality definitely carries over into Mario Party. You got the it's just. It's like I said, it's not just about what's going on the screen. It's what's going on in the room. It's the trash talking that's happening when you play Mario Party. If you're playing with a group of adults, there's a lot of a lot of swears and a lot of cursing that happens. A lot of insults slung. A lot of pizza gets eaten. A lot of cheese doodles, potato chips, uh, cookies, you name it. Like you got to treat a Mario Party day as an adult. Like it's like an actual legitimate, like you're watching a sporting event. You totally. have to be ready. Yeah. You got to go in. You got to bring your snacks. You got to have your soda or your alcoholic beverage of your choice. And you got to have your pizza and your snacks and handle it like it's like you're watching the Super Bowl. And I promise you, you'll have a good time. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you, Mike. So Mario Party, the N64, this game lives and lives and lives on. And the original here had its maps themed around each of the characters. Each character yes. had its own level or map, which was really cool. Yeah, very cool, were, actually. Yeah. And then there were other characters that appeared on the map. Bugos showed up. You had to buy the stars from Toad. You had Koopa Troopa. You could buy items. And then you had Bowser, who was always trying to sell you something or steal your coins and cause that havoc. piece of garbage. Oh, that Bowser. He was always swindling, trying to sell you something. But it was great seeing the whole kind of Mario world come together in this game. And there was no shortage of. Mario content on the N64. I mean, dozens, dozens of games. But I think when people look back at the N64, it's hard to get five or 10 titles deep without thinking about the original Mario Party. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's simple. It's not that deep. There's not a lot going on. But its importance is really just about this being a pillar. Nintendo clearly uses Mario Party as a game to like fill a gap, right? Like that happens all the time. It happened, I believe, last year. It's like, oh, we don't have a big fall game. We need to get a Mario Party out. Now, granted, I understand that game development takes a very long time. But at the same time, it's the same merit. It's, it's also one of those things where it's like they were able to crank out two in a year, right? So there's definitely, it's def probably a little quicker to make these Mario Party games than something else, especially if they're reskinning old old mini games and stuff like that. So they can get one out and just, it'll be great. And I'm sure with mini games, they probably have concepts just sitting aside. Yeah. And don't make the cut yeah. from one game yeah. and they put into the next one. So mm -hmm. I don't want to discredit game development either, but I would say these games don't have the development that Breath of the Wild or Mario Odyssey. Yeah, or, I, I, you know. <laughs> I don't think these are getting the Breath of the Wild development cycle. Uh, they might take a year or two. So Nintendo plans it out properly so that this game kind of comes out. It'll sell a few, a few million units, maybe even more because the Switch has sold 100 million units. And it's a great game for anyone of any age. And Mike, they you look know, and sound really good today where if you play a do. modern Switch they do. Mario Party, I mean, the polish of Nintendo, I mean, the way the character models, the environments, the mini games, the way they look and sound, it's, it's worth it in that respect. Oh, they look great. They look great. I play, I've played a lot of Super Mario Party. It looks really good. Yeah.
you know, yeah, it sure does. So Mike, I think we will happily announce for our 64th episode. We'll put Mario party from the Nintendo 64 came out in the States in 1999. We will enshrine it into our hall of fame forever and ever and ever. And now I will ask you, Mike, well, what have you been playing? Sure. So a few things I'm in between games right now. It's like, I'm in between jobs. Um, I'm not in between jobs. I have a job, but like me being in between games feels like I'm in between jobs. So I finished Mario Luigi. I finished beat so, Pokemon Legends as well. I beat Pokemon Legends. I did beat Pokemon Legends and I'm, I'm excited to play triangle strategy. Oh, yeah. I've been playing a bit of King of the Fighters 15, which I got. And uh, Matt, after your recommendation, I have started Kakarot. I'm not very far. I'm not very far. I'm collecting a lot of multicolored orbs <laughs> uh, floating around the world. And it's actually giving me anxiety just because you got to get past that. You realize pretty quickly that if you just get enough between each zone and between each mission, yeah, you get enough for your upgrading. But it's just something else to do in this semi open. But yeah, ba- that's you know, the. it's not the most filled world. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, Dragon Ball this world in general is kind of empty. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty empty world aside from cities. It does playing through it and playing the beginning of Dragon Ball Z really does make me wish that this game was like the total story of Goku. Like I would have loved to have had it go from Dragon Ball uh, all the way to the end of Z. Cause that would have been great. Like I, fighting the red ribbon army. And I spend weeks on forums for this game, like talking yeah. like, Hey guys, let's start a petition. Let's get one about the original Dragon Ball. Let's, and it'd be it really work. cool. Yeah, it really could work. It could but, work. But yeah, this game really lets you get to play out the, the Z story. And I hope you keep keep it going. Well, that's why it's called Kakarot, right? It's called Kakarot because it's about his relationship to the Z story, right? Yep. Obviously, Goku wasn't called Kakarot until Dragon Ball Z. And we all know what happened from there. So I would say this much. Um, it's fun. From what I played so far, I played very little. I've enjoyed it. But I've also gone back to play a little Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. And it's weird. I I was like, I, I'm I'm like grinding up my guys a little bit of new. You get like there was like a new gift. First of all, Generation 9 was just was just uh announced, which is cool. It looks good. Apparently it's gonna be open world Pokemon. And I'm excited to to play it. I I don't think I that took me by surprise. I didn't think we were gonna get a Gen 9 reveal. I thought we were gonna get DLC for Arceus. I thought we were gonna get yeah, I don't know. The, it was the 26th anniversary of Pokemon, and I was like, eh, we'll get like DLC for yeah for Arceus that's coming six months from now, or we'll get an announcement of something that's coming the next year or two, or some mobile game. I was not expecting all that they delivered on. Yeah, and these jokers went and dropped Gen 9 on us, so that's kind of crazy. Uh, Scarlet and, and Violet, which I will totally be buying the Scarlet one. I always get the more aggressive color. And the more aggressive of the of the uh, items. So if it's sun versus moon, I get sun. If it's sword versus shield, I get sword. If it's scarlet or violet, I'm getting scarlet. So uh, I'm definitely picking Fuicoco, the fire alligator. He's he's already already I already like this guy. I'm already a fan. But because I was playing some brilliant diamond and shining pearl, I just finished Arceus. So I loved Arceus. I thought Arceus was amazing. And excited to see that they're planning to do more open world stuff with Pokemon with Gen 9. But man, I feel spoiled because I'm going back in and I'm playing Brilliant Diamond. And I liked Brilliant Diamond a lot. I had a lot of fun with Brilliant Diamond. I paid it on my, my Switch Lite. So it was like this really cool handheld experience. 
But like I'm walking around these towns and I'm playing like classic like turn-based Pokemon, which I love. And Arceus absolutely has turn-based Pokemon battles. But like all of me is just like, man, I want to run around. Like I want to catch guys in the wild. I want to throw just randomly throw balls at them. Like I think we're at a point where there will be a place for classic Pokemon forever. I think so. I think it needs that. But man, am I excited to maybe run out in this new world in Gen 9 and have that third person action going. You know, Mike, what, what you're saying to me sounds like the conversation with Breath of the Wild came out where people loved it, but they were like, I wish it had dungeons. And I feel like with RCS, people are like, I wish it had gym battles. And when I go yeah. back to play the old Pokemon games now, the one thing that I still enjoy is I do enjoy going from gym to gym yeah. and having that strategy of fighting all rock Pokemon or the ghost yeah. Pokemon and having a team that can battle that. And I think that's what's yeah. still missing from RCS. When I played Brilliant Diamond this year, I had a great time with it. And I think it's because it still had that the gym feel to it. But I hope you continue playing. Give Keep going with Diamond. I think, well, yeah, I finished Diamond. So okay. I'm just kind of jumping in and like doing gotcha. the underground stuff because I'm trying to like, you know, have some time. To There's some added games. stuff after the game you can do where you can catch yeah. some additional legendaries yep. that went around. And there's definitely some additional content even after you beat the Elite Four and the Champion. Which, which I love that Pokemon does that. Yeah. But I'm excited to see if 9, Gen 9, if Scarlet and Violet are really the Arceus model plus the classic. I think it's going to be like Sword and Shield 2.0. I don't think I don't it's going to be. They're calling know. it an open world Pokemon game. They say open world. So I don't know. It's we because I don't know if they said Arceus was open world when they were when they were when they were marketing it. So I, I think it might a be. A lot of the screenshots look like towns and villages. Yeah, again. that it is true. It didn't have the look and feel, but it's it's still early to say. So it's real early. It's but we'll just see. impressive that we're getting Gen 9 this soon I know. this year. This year, it's also kind of telling i don't think we're getting breath of the wild 2 this year uh, i think we're gonna find out in june that that's been pushed i don't know if nintendo can put all those eggs in one basket now i granted yes i know 2017 they put mario and zelda out in the same year but they were released like like nine eight months apart my it's, response it's, to that mike would be that they care so much about their earnings yeah of course and quarter four technically goes till I think March of next year. So I think they could sneak it into the quarter because if they don't release Breath of the Wild in a certain window, I think they could hurt their their stock and their well, yeah. look at them. Yeah, so their fiscal year ends in March. Yeah, so. so I think they could still get it in maybe after the holiday season. Yeah. And I think they'll still appease oh, the, uh, sure. the shareholders. I fully think that Breath of the Wild will be a mid-March release of 2023 with a brand new Switch. With an upgraded six years switch model after Breath of the Wild one, isn't yep. that nuts? Like nuts, nuts. Exactly yeah. six years later yeah. with an updated switch, not an OLED switch. I mean, it'll use an OLED screen, but sure. I think we're finally going to get that Switch Two Super Switch Switch Pro. I think that'll come out with Breath of the Wild Two. I think we'll hear about that possibly at E3, but maybe in like a September direct because Nintendo's year without Breath of the Wild Two is already packed for 2022. That seems like a perfect game to release in March to release along with the new console to get of those 100 million people that bought the Switch. And this game, maybe it'll work on the regular Switch too, just not as well. Get those people who bought the 100,000, 100, 100 million people who bought the original Switch get right out the gate selling 10, 15 million. So we'll see where that goes. But that seems like the business plan that works, especially because they'll release emphatically release this Pokemon as like, like an exclamation point at the end of the original Switch's life, and then they'll spin it into a new upgraded Switch 
brand new Zelda, and then we'll move on from there. And it'll make all your old games look better. That's the way to go. It's what they always did with Game Boy and probably what they'll do with Switch. Well, what are you with, playing, Matt? Even with just Gen That's 9 right. coming out, they'll make 25 or 30 million copies go into people's hands this, this winter. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. It's nuts. So I have been playing an older Switch title that my son saw some YouTube streamer, and I'll actually give him credit, not that he needs any more. His name is Zach Scott. and he's Oh, the, I know Zach Scott. He's one of the few, like, Nintendo streamers, which you have to be like privileged to be able to like YouTube stream Nintendo content because they're very protective. Yes. And my son just watches everything he puts up and he started you know, scrolling through and saw Mega Man 11. And he said, what's oh, Mega baby. Man? So he said, dad, I want to play this. So we started getting into Mega Man 11. Now, this is a game that I played through at the DMV as I waited for my car. And I feel like I didn't really give it its time when it came out. I kind of pushed it aside and said, eh, it was good. And now replaying it, I'm having a really good time with it. And I think people, Mega Man fans out there, didn't give it the credit. It was a different art style than they were used to. But I think it's a really good game. And I'm having a great time experiencing Mega Man with my son, who is actually, they have an easier difficulty. So if you fall in a hole, there's a bird that picks you up and lifts you yeah, up. Beat. Yeah, it's wonderful. And you can take a little bit more damage. You can delve out a little more damage. There's a lot of things you can buy in the shop. So it's a really good game. If anyone out there missed Mega Man 11, you should not sell it short. It is a solid entry into the Mega Man series. And I'm hoping we get a Mega Man 12, another Mega Man X. Give me more Mega Man content. I hope it did make some, some good money so we get more of this. Even if it's just like a little Switch title or like a little PS5 title or something like that, I think there's space for it. I really ha I'm really happy that you're introducing your son to uh, one of my favorite game franchises of all time. So it's really cool to see that uh, kids still like Mega Man. And I do think that there's something to that, right? To that. The initial hook was beating a boss and getting that ability. And my son mm -hmm. got addicted to that like I did when I was four or five years old playing Mega Man 1 and 2. And that hook, he loves, loves changing costumes, changing yeah. abilities, and be, see, beating all these different villains who are crazy looking. And one's electric, one's fire, one's ice. Like, he loved all that. And there's something that still, in 2022, there is room for games like this. I think so. And I also think that with Mega Man 11, they did such a good job of not just changing his color when he had a new power, like they changed the whole costume. So like now that's part of the, the Mega Man kind of like, he has like an aura around him. A few of them. Yeah, like, it's, it's really cool. cool the way they did that. Mega Man 11 is not a perfect game, but it's got a lot of good things going for it. And I think that Mega Man 11 can be a very good springboard. Yes. Into making better Mega Man games moving forward. Games that do have the 2D, 2.5D aesthetic, but maybe they can learn from games like Gunvolt and how to how to do that moving forward. I think that would be uh, really cool. And I'm happy your son's playing it, man. That's sick. Yeah. Show Mega Man X next. It's Yeah, he might have to be a little older for Mega Man X. <laughs> it gets a little complicated. Some of those games are less forgiving, but yeah. Mega Man 11 having a great time. I will be moving in the next few weeks, so I might not be playing as many games, but we look forward to hear what you play, Mike, over the next weeks to come. So in the meantime, can you tell everyone out there, the thousands and thousands of listeners at home, where they can find you? You can find me here every week on the Hall of Fame podcast featuring video games. You can also find me on my other podcast, How About This, where we most recently talked about Mario Party. 
So you can check that out as well. We had some good ideas on what we can do Mario Party in the future. I think Jordan and I both had amazing ideas that you should enjoy. If you're a big Mario Party fan, you can also find me with my band Bad Mary at Bad Mary Band on all social media. And you can also find us at BadMary.com. And then last but not least, you can find me with the Long Island Retro Gaming community. I work with Long Island Retro Gaming and we are doing a convention in the second weekend of August. So if you're not from around here, you want to come to a cool retro gaming convention, be sure to be here in mid-August because uh, we'll do, we're doing three days of fun over at the Cradle of Aviation Museum. So check that out at LI Retro. And uh, that's that, man. That's what I'm doing. Really cool stuff. Well, guys, please listen back to our previous 63 episodes of awesome content talking about some of the greatest games to impact the gaming industry. So please listen back, leave us a review, leave us a rating, do all of those good things. And please guys come back next week. We got some awesome more games. We're talking about. I'm Matt. That was Mike. We'll see you guys next time. Later. From Mike and Matt. Thank you for listening to the hall of fame game podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.